Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Game Time Decisions. All right, let's roll. Game Time Decisions, Red Heat and Rage Radio. I am Gabriel Moretti, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And we're back in the saddle again. Now, I would introduce the Raging Redhead, Cam Stewart, right now, but since we've been off uh, for a couple of days, uh, he got lost on the way to the studio today. I think he'll get here eventually, maybe, potentially. (laughs) Last I heard from Cam Stewart uh, was he's busting his ass and uh, he's in a cab. I believe uh, Cam Stewart actually, um, for one reason or another, I don't know why he does this. I think he's got like a secret life or something like that. But he always takes like his headset home. And considering like I don't think he knows how to plug his toaster in, let alone like I really don't know what he needs with a headset like every day when he takes it. I think he tells me like he's testing things and, you know, when you're not here, I got to test. But he doesn't know like I, I don't really get it. And uh, I've always thought that this would happen, actually, eventually. And uh, it has happened. Uh, so uh, Cam Stewart uh, might be with us a little bit later on. I don't know. You know. I'll tell you one thing I do know. I know that uh, traffic in the city of Toronto is, uh, I believe it's actually the worst commute in North America. And I don't know, wh- I don't know why people actually, like... Um, I don't know why people actually, like, want to have, like, the best rankings with that. But I, I saw a story, and I tweeted it out. It said, Toronto's the worst commute in North America. And I had people in L.A., no, it's not. It's like, dude, dude, like, really? Like, you want to argue? Like, you're going to be happy? Yeah, my hometown's commute is worse. <laughs> like, it's not the type of thing, really, like, you want to be number one in the rankings with. I understand that Cam, he's lost, uh, but uh, he does know how to use a, a cell phone still. From what I understand, Cam Stewart. Hey, Gabe. I love you, buddy. I uh, checked my bag, and uh, unfortunately, I had the headset from the Pizzaville show and not the one with the headset mic, and I called Kurt. I feel like a complete tool, buddy. I know we're just back and whatever, but uh, traffic is moving, and my Uber driver actually lives in the building next to you, so uh, I think we're going to be able to make it uh, by segment two. He's uh, really got to settle to the metal, buddy. I'm so sorry. You're right. I don't. I was actually testing some stuff with George uh, with my uh, board and some other things back home because I got the, the Mac computer, but, uh, you know, I'm waiting for your, the, the, the master board. But I'm on my way, buddy. I'm so sorry, man. I can't believe it, and uh, your prediction was right. Uh, I did screw up. Yeah, I think we're going to have to – you know, you're like an old person. You're going to need, like, a nanny or something like that. Like, we're gonna, <laughs> like I, I, don't know, I don't know what you're going to do when I'm gone, buddy, but, uh, but uh, that's, that's besides the point. <laughs> Like that's, Love that's, you, man. It's nice to hear, nice to hear your voice, Marenzi. And uh, yeah, not the the best way to start things off, but uh, I'm uh, 
I'm really moving. Uh, it's it's going to be better than you think. Yeah, the commute actually, it's, uh, surprisingly, it was actually on the way back. That was the problem when I realized I had the wrong headset. And I said, screw it, I can't take the train. I don't have time because I had to wait another 22 minutes for the train. So I called the Uber driver, and uh, we have a cash deal for part two of the ride. So, And he lives right by you. It helps. Well, let's hope the Uber driver is faster than our horse was. <laughs> he is. All right, Cam. We'll see. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Okay, buddy. Anyway, yeah. If you want, uh, I'll see you uh, probably, hopefully, for the second segment. Buddy, all the best, and looking forward to seeing you. Is that Cam? Cam Stewart uh, checks in uh, from from his Uber, and that's that's another miracle that uh, Cam Cam used to be anti Uber actually, but um, uh, hey, Uber uh, Uber's taking over the world uh, right now. Now, Mark Lawrence uh, will join us. We're going to talk some SEC uh, football. With Mark Lawrence. And um, we got Lou Gamble who's going to step up and in as well and uh, join us. We'll talk some NFL. NFL preseason is uh, continuing. And I just tweeted a story out actually here about um, about Jalen Ramsey. And I asked you guys your take on Twitter about uh, Jalen Ramsey. And, of course, Jalen Ramsey's the loudmouth cornerback on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, yeah, the dude's good. And... You know, there's a lot of other guys that are good that don't seem to talk as much as he does. But at the same point in time, I do appreciate the guy's honesty, and I like the fact that he basically went through every quarterback. A lot of guys wouldn't do this, right? A lot of guys would just sort of say, I'm not answering. You know, I'm not going to give you a quick one-liner on every quarterback in the NFL. And then if they do, they're not going to be honest about it. So I like the fact that he stepped up uh, with his honesty, and he did an interview uh, in GQ. Of course, makes perfect sense, Jalen Ramsey and GQ uh, magazine. So, um, of course, you know, first things first, Jalen Ramsey's, man, this guy is, uh, this guy's got a uh, a real, real obsession with Josh Allen for some reason. And when you consider Josh, Josh Allen hasn't uh, played uh, a damn game in a regular season in the National Football League yet, I don't know what his obsession uh, with Allen is. Now, is Cam still on hold here right now? <laughs> I'm hearing, like, some strange uh, some strange noises here. So not only is Cam not here, he sabotages the first segment. And now I'm, I don't think he's hanging up or... Uh... I don't know. I don't... <laughs> great, great, great freaking start here. Thank you, Cam. Great, great, uh, great, great start. What are you, like Mick Aussie or Clam Chowder right now? Like, I said, all right, bye-bye, Cam. We'll see you soon. And I hear it's, it's like heavy breathing and stuff. It's like, man. It's like, uh, what is this, preseason? Like, if I'm I'm a coach, like, uh, really, like, Cam's being sent to the second unit uh, right now. Like, uh you know, we've had backups. Like, we've had backups in our chat rooms recently. It's like where everyone's in preseason mode here. All right. So, as I was saying, uh, so uh, Jalen Ramsey was interviewed by GQ, and he uh, gave his opinion on uh, pretty much every quarterback uh, that he's played against or other quarterbacks in the NFL, etc. We'll start off with Josh Allen. Says Josh Allen is trash. Josh Allen actually, listen, Josh Allen's played a couple of freaking series 
in a, in a preseason game and made a couple of really, really nice passes uh, as well. Listen, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. Am I totally in love uh, with the Josh Allen uh, pick? No. Uh, but at the same point in time, man, you know, drop picks are like trades or like we should say that they're like girlfriends. You, know, you can't judge like after the first you can't judge after the first week or after the first month. Come on, man. Josh Allen's been in camp for, for like two weeks right now. But according to Jalen Ramsey, he's trash. Uh, Jalen Ramsey says that he looks forward to playing the Buffalo Bills uh, this year. He can't wait. And, uh, you know, you should shut the hell up, man. You guys barely beat the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs last year. So Jalen Ramsey, listen, he's put, he wants to be like the new Richard Sherman. He wants the spotlight uh, and all of that. But, you know, technically he's not the best cornerback uh, in the uh, International Football League. Last year, according to, to uh, Pro Football Focus, which is pretty much, you know, the Bible when it comes to, to ranking players, Casey Hayward, Casey Hayward had a 96.7 ranking. Jalen Ramsey was second with a 91.8 ranking. Trey White of the Buffalo Bills, 91.6. So basically, you're like 0.2 decibel uh, points ahead of Trey White. Yeah, does Trey White run his mouth as much as you do, uh, Ramsey? Yeah, listen, he's selling himself, and it's working because everybody talks about him. I really don't care. I don't like dudes like this. You know, I like Jalen. You know, I think Jalen Ramsey's a good player, but how about you accomplish something, you know? And we'll get to this in a second. He's ripping all these other players. You know, this guy sucks. That guy sucks. Like, dude, like, you know, what the hell have you done in the National Football League? Big deal. You got five interceptions. Good for you. That's what it takes nowadays, right? But, you know, this is, you know, he's the prototypical jackass modern athlete. So, long story short, I hope that Nate Peterman, who will probably end up being the damn quarterback this year for the Buffalo Bills, I hope that Nate Peterman uh, shreds, uh, shreds, uh, Jalen Ramsey, or at least at the Bills beat uh, the Jags. All right, so uh, Josh Allen, his uh, his word for Josh Allen is trash. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, he says Tom Brady doesn't suck. That's pretty nice of Jalen Ramsey, considering you know I know that you're you're a future Hall of Famer. You're going to win five Super Bowls, and you're going to be deemed the greatest position uh, you know player at your position in the history of the National Football League, right, Jalen? So Brady doesn't suck. Aaron Rodgers, quote, doesn't suck. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty nice of him. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, underrated. Tyrod Taylor's uh, underrated. I would somewhat agree with that. I, you know, I don't know, though. Some people think Tyrod, is he underrated? He's a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's a multimillionaire. So there are some people who think that Tyrod Taylor is good. As I stated, I'm a Bills fan, and... Tyrod Taylor's, I guess he's, uh, I don't know. I don't think he's underrated. I think Tyrod Taylor's like middle of the pack. But Tyrod Taylor doesn't suck, so I'll give him the underrated. Marcus Mariota, which is interesting because it's a division rival and he's played against Mariota. Uh, What's this, Ramsey's third year right now? So he says Mariota's a good game manager. And, you know, Mariota's pretty conservative for the most part, but... This is a you know this is year four for Mariota and I think Mariota has a chance to, to be good. You know I said at the time when he came into the league with Jameis Winston that uh, Mariota was the one to take, not Winston. That Winston wasn't worth it, and we see uh, that I was correct about that. But you know Mariota's okay. He's not great. 
good game manager, good athlete. I think he should be a little better, but I think uh, Jalen Ramsey's uh, analysis is pretty good there. Uh, Garoppolo. I like what Jalen Ramsey says about Garoppolo. I guess you could say he's good, which kind of makes sense. You know, how good is Garoppolo? Uh, we'll find out. I mean, I don't know. Garoppolo thinks he's better than Tom Brady. Kira Mia or whatever the hell's... Uh, I, I always get that girl's name wrong. Kiera Mia? Kira, Kira Mia? It's very confusing. Like, whoever your agent is, uh, baby, you should have come up with, like, an easier name. Like, it's just sort of like a, an easier... Like, they're, it's like two, two of the same. It's just kind of weird. But you know who I'm talking about. I guess she thinks Garoppolo's the best. I guess you could say he's good. I guess that's what she said. Deshaun Watson. Jalen Ramsey is a fan of Deshaun Watson. Says that Deshaun Watson's a future MVP. Carson Wentz. He says the same thing. Future MVP. So, so far, basically, he's got Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz as his guys. Jared Goff. Average to above average, says uh, Jalen Ramsey. Average to above average for Jared Goff. I would say that the jury is still sort of out on Jared Goff. And we'll get to uh, Deshaun Watson, which we really don't know. Like, you know, Deshaun Watson looked great. I was a big Deshaun Watson fan in Clemson. I liked him. I wanted the Bills to draft him. So, I'm, you know, I like Deshaun Watson, but is he going to be injury prone? I don't know. I mean, to, to me, Houston could go to the Super Bowl, but they could also be like 8-8 eight and eight again. They seem to be one of these franchises that's just always sort of 9-7 and seven every damn year, no matter the talent that they have. Bad things seem to happen to them. Carson Wentz, future MVP? Yeah, I could see that. Carson Wentz, a freaking stud, and we expect him to bounce back uh, from the injury, although he might not be ready and good to go right away out of the gate here. Now, Jared Goff, Jared Goff sucked in his rookie season, but the thing with Jared Goff was, he was a rookie, the team wasn't great, and Jeff Fisher was an idiot, right? He didn't have, like, a good support system around him. So look at the difference when when he had an offensive-minded coach. Like, what the hell is Jeff Fisher going to teach a quarterback, right? So, you know, Sean McVay actually made Goff better, and we'll find out. I think he he was above average. I think Goff can get better. He's got weapons to work with. There's a lot to like about this Rams team. But I think the jury is still sort of out on Goff. So I think he's sort of bang on once again here. Dak Prescott, he says he's good, all right, okay. He gave three words for Dak. Good, all right, he's okay. And, you know, I think Dak, the expectations for Dak were probably a little bit too high after that great rookie campaign where everything just sort of fell into place uh, for him with that great offensive line and the ground game. This is a big year for Dak Prescott. You know, like, he was not very good last year, and he sort of faded. He didn't, you know, the Cowboys faded as a whole, uh, but, you know, was it Dak or was it uh, Ewok, right, that was responsible? Kirk Cousins, good, a winner, a hell of a competitor. Derek Carr, good. Now, Eli Manning, this is the one that I think he's uh, he's off with. Nothing without Odell Beckham Jr., says Jalen Ramsey. Says Eli is nothing without Odell Beckham Jr., which, um, I don't know, last time I checked, 
It, it's not Odell Beckham Jr. that has two Super Bowl rings, right? It's not Odell Beckham Jr. that beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. This is probably one that he's off. I get it. I get it. Like, Odell Beckham Jr. is great. And, you know, Eli Manning didn't look great last year without him, yet it was a pretty dysfunctional situation. And Eli Manning's been doing it for – Eli Manning's been in the league longer than Odell Beckham and Jalen Ramsey combined. He's never missed his freaking games. And uh, he's won two Super Bowls. So I think you should uh, you should shut up. And people that have listened to me for a long time know I'm not Eli Manning's biggest backer. But nothing with OBJ. I mean, Eli Manning was winning Super Bowls when Odell Beckham Jr. was smoking weed in Louisiana, all right? Russell Wilson's only good, according to Jalen Ramsey. Well, Russell Wilson's better than you are. Ben Roethlisberger, decent at best. Roethlisberger's decent at best, (laughs) which another two-time Super Bowl winner that's been in the league forever, that's... Survive Ben Ben Roethlisberger might be a jerk, but he's better than decent uh, as as a quarterback. All right, but better than decent. All right, uh, so Cam Stewart will be with us uh, shortly. Uh, Mark Lawrence is going to step up and in. We're going to talk some SEC uh, football. I want to thank uh, everybody, all of our uh, listeners, everyone on Twitter for the support over the past. Uh, couple of days a tough couple of days at that but uh, we pick up the pieces game time decisions red heat and rage radio continues From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Game time decisions. Fantasy Sports Radio Network continues. I'm Gabriel Morenzi. We'll get Mark Lawrence on the line here in a second. I'm not really the biggest fan of this song, to be honest, uh, but uh, I guess it makes sense if we're going down to the bayou. We will talk some LSU uh, football uh, with Mark Lawrence. We'll talk some SEC football. One thing I noticed, uh, I was reading Mark Lawrence's uh, playbook, and it's best preview uh, magazine out there. SEC actually lost fans last year. Their attendance was down. 1,409 fans less in attendance. It was uh, their biggest drop-off since uh, 1998. It's like, you know, saying that, that's like like saying that uh, strip clubs. That's like uh, saying that uh, strip clubs in Montreal are closing. You'd figure, no, no, strip clubs in Montreal will never close. SEC attendance will never go down. I don't know, man. My my theory for this, and we'll bring Mark Lawrence in now, is probably just because every damn SEC stadium is so freaking big and they're probably just always adding more seats and more seats. But uh, And they're still getting a hell of a lot of people. Mark Lawrence joins us, playbook.com. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing terrific, Gabe. How are you doing? 
We're doing uh, fine, Mark. We're doing fine. It's our first show back uh, after uh, after a rough week. Uh, but as you know, Mark, you've been around the block uh, before. Um, you know, we think we're calling the plays. We think we're the offensive coordinators. But in reality, you know, the big man upstairs, God, it's his playbook, right? So we're not really exactly. in control of anything that happens in the world. and We just got to roll with it. Well, my condolences uh, to you and your family. And uh, I know it's a real rough time, but I know you're a real strong guy. And I know you're going to end up making the best of it. And hopefully uh, it'll parlay and make you even more fierce this football season. We appreciate that, uh, Mark. We we really do. So, you know, I'm glad, actually, that our first show back, it's not the Sun Belt this week. I guess that's next week. So, <laughs> That's least, a good omen, right? There's a good Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least not like, God, oh, great, I sun, sun Belt. At least at least it's the SEC, man. So uh, so let's jump in here. Uh, we did, We you know, we, we had the uh, the Bayou playing when we came in, actually, and I see that uh, the quarterback situation's clearing up a little bit uh, there. Uh, one of the kids going to be transferring out. I expect Burrow, the kid from Ohio State, to end up being the starter. Wouldn't you when it's all said and done? I would think so, too. I mean, first of all, he was good enough to challenge at Ohio State. He needs a quarterback change. Uh, you know, he's obviously in the hot seat there, Ogeron is. Uh, and I would be surprised if it wasn't Joe Burrow, the quarterback at LSU. Let me throw this one little quick note in here. I, uh, I listened to your opening comment about the SEC attendance being down, and I think the biggest contributing factor that is probably the fact of the SEC network. Uh, as, it, as they're televising games more and more, people are saying, hey, screw this, man. We can sit here with the beer at home and watch these games rather than being in attendance at the game. So sometimes what ends up being a big cash cow for them in one end ends up costing them in another yeah yeah you're right and um and also you're, you're right the television experience especially in today's modern age is so good right it's better than going to the game unless you know you're a student you want to get blasted and wasted and you know hang out with the chicks that's all a good time but you're right the overall experience and another thing is too the fact is mark last year there were quite a few sec teams that were pretty bad you know, that they weren't that good. So there wasn't really as, as, as much reason. It's always sort of been a top-heavy conference, really. Um, it's still the king of college football. You look, Alabama's been to every playoff in the four years. But it's strange. I look at the conference this year, and there's a few teams that might be a little bit overhyped this year, big-name teams that have a lot of rebuilding to do. But at the same point in time, there seems to be a lot of sleeping giants here and teams that can, you know, punch you in the face of florida kentucky a mississippi state uh hell I'm, I'm high on missouri coming into the year here mark so let's jump in let's start off with alabama and um you know alabama they you know they don't rebuild they just reload but five nfl defections 14 restu- returning starters and 16 players from the two deep are gone uh wide receiver core took the biggest hit yeah everyone talks about the two quarterbacks but is this a year where it catches up to them a little bit, where they just don't have a, a, a new plethora of NFL studs coming in? Well, you know, what you've got here is, like you mentioned, a team that reloads only three starters back on defense. But, you know, the guys that will be playing this year were largely five-star recruits, so they're really not going to uh, miss anything in that sense other than experience. Uh, there's no refuting the fact that nobody recruits better than Alabama does. The talent's there at hand. 
uh, being the defending national champion is another matter because they're going to have this big target on their back this football season here. And there's a lot of people argue the fact that they shouldn't even been in the playoffs because they didn't win the Southeast Conference to begin with. So, you know, I think the people are going to be, uh, they're going to find the opponents are going to come at them real hard this football season. And with this two-headed quarterback situation that's evolving right now, I don't think it's going to help Alabama here. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do not repeat as national champions. Their win total, I'm seeing 10.5 right now offshore, 10.5 minus 150 uh, to the over. So it basically gives them, uh, it gives them one loss here. They have wiggle room for one loss. Well, that's what Alabama does every year. They seem to lose a game they shouldn't every year. You know, they, they, they choke as a double-digit favorite somewhere down the road. The question is, is uh, you know, will they find themselves in two of those football games this year? And, you know, you go up and down, you look at their schedule here. Uh, they're going to be favored, obviously, in every game they play that, because they're Alabama. Uh, but, you know, the bottom line is uh, they're going to go to uh, LSU after playing at Tennessee. Not that Tennessee is going to be much, but, you know, back-to-back road games, uh, the second one at LSU, I think that's going to end up being a, a real true test for Alabama in that LSU visit. All right, let's talk about Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas makes the coaching change. They had to, mercifully. Um, you know, the, you look at them, though. They've always had, you know, massive guys. They've had really good running backs over the years. Now they bring Chad Morris in, who really wants to run a completely different offense and a, a completely different system than that sort of Big Ten, let's, let's pound the football uh, brand uh, that they played in past years. But I remember when Michigan did this. It sort of reminds me a little bit of Rich Rod going to Michigan. Uh, after Lloyd Carr, Michigan sort of had like, you know, more pro NFL set recruits and style of players. And people said, oh, they're never going to fit in this new system. And then they kind of did, actually. If you have good athletes, you have good athletes. Yet, you know, obviously it's not the style of players they're looking for here, but they've got, a, you know, what, 17 returning starters uh, here, Mark. What, what do you make of Arkansas coming into this year? Are they a sleeping, uh, sleeping giant? I think they potentially are, Gabe. Uh, you're talking about a, a head coach here that's going to bring a whole new playbook dimension to this football team here. I think just as important is the hire of the defensive coordinator, John Chavis, from LSU. Terrific defensive coordinator. Most highest paid defensive coordinator in all of college football in his days at LSU. And they need that desperately there. They've allowed over 400 yards back-to-back seasons. You can't do that and compete in the SEC. They know that. So I think the fortune is going to be built on the defense, like that coming around here. The offense, I think, is going to take care of itself. It's Chad Morris. They've got nine uh, starters back on offense, four offensive linemen. Those are big, big cattle on the offensive line. Brett Bielema, who was famous for that at Wisconsin, knew that. So when he recruited offensive linemen, they're they're NFL-sized linemen here. So they're going to end up being, I think, well-fortified offensively. The bottom line here is if they improve this defense, I think they could be a player here. They're certainly going to improve in that four wins they had last year. Interesting, uh, though, the Arkansas Razorbacks have played under their season win total in four of the last uh, five uh, seasons from the stats we will like from the playbook. All right, let's talk about a team that I think might be a little bit overrated here. They're sort of being talked about as national champion contenders to some, but the odds makers, not so much. I'm seeing eight and a half, yet it is minus 160 to the over for the Auburn Tigers. And, you know, you talk about losing skill position players. Yeah, they got the quarterback back, and uh, and you got Jared Stidham uh, there, but a lot of talent is gone uh, on this Auburn team. 
Uh, you know, I don't know. This team might be just a little bit overrated this year by the media. The odds makers at eight and a half, though, seem to have it right. I think they're a nine-win team, but I don't think they're national champion contenders. I don't believe they are either here, Gabe, as well. I mean, you know, they made it to the SEC championship game last year when they beat Alabama and then fell expectedly flat on their face in the game against Georgia. But the fact that they are the defending national champion has their chest pumped out a little bit, maybe perhaps too much this football season here. Uh, and I also think that, uh, you know, there's some other talent inside this division here that's going to chase them down. They lose a couple of stud running backs in Kerryon Johnson and Camry, Cameron Petway. I think they're going to be a little bit difficult to replace. Although I read somewhere, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, that they've had 1,000-yard running backs now eight or nine years in a row, Auburn has. So I guess maybe the running back, the next guy up, will fit that mantra. You know, but the bottom line here is that all that success they met with last year, I think they're going to end up paying the piper for. Jarrett Stidham, he's going to be in the Heisman Trophy talk race this football season, or supposed to be, after that great season he had last year. But I'm with you. I think under eight and a half wins is the side I play in the, with this football team. I guess that you could argue that the win total is really, really sort of predicated on that first game of the year against the Washington Huskies. Because if you look at their schedule, it's not easy. All right, you know, I, I think they'll beat LSU in week three. You know, let's say they beat Arkansas week four. They get Southern Miss, but then, you know, business picks up. They have to go to Starkville at Mississippi State, host Tennessee at Ole Miss versus Texas A&M, at Georgia versus Liberty, and then uh, at Alabama. You know, it's it's not going to be easy to navigate the, their way through that. What do you think of that first game against the Washington Huskies? The fact that it's in Atlanta – it's SEC country. It's a tough trip for Washington. But I think Washington's probably sick of losing to these SEC teams here. It's a big game. It's a huge game for both teams. And, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see Washington come with everything they've got. The only concern I have from a handicapping standpoint is Auburn failed miserably in their bowl game against Central Florida last year. They lost as double-digit favorites, and that's called red-faced bowlers, and they usually get out of the gate pretty strong in that first game. But I just don't like the fact that they're playing Washington. This is a football team that we pegged to make make it to the college football playoffs this year. And I think the point you alluded to is right spot on. Those Southeast Conference road games they have at Mississippi State, at Mississippi, at Georgia, and at Alabama, none of them are gifts. They could end up losing all four of those football games. So that's you know that makeup is the reason I like this game, this team under the total here because of their tough road trek in the Southeast Conference. And to put it in context, guys, about how highly thought the Washington Huskies are, their win total is ten and a half. Now it's plus one twenty-five, so you'll probably you could probably find some tens uh, out there right now. But I'm seeing a ten and a half, a plus one twenty-five, and I'll tell you what, guys, there's not a lot of teams uh, that are in the double digits. Alabama ten and a half, Clemson ten and a half. Ohio State ten and a half, Oklahoma ten and a half, Washington ten and a half. So you know, that's, that, a, 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 that's a good point, Gabe. I don't sorry to jump in here, but what you have here in Washington is a ten and a half expected win team taking points from an yep. eight and a half win expected team. Yeah, and a team also that now has experience playing in in Atlanta. You know, remember they hung with with Alabama. I think it was twenty four three in that game in the playoffs two years ago, but their defense uh, played well. You know, Washington, they had a great team two years ago. Last year, they had a couple of setbacks, but I think they are a very, very dangerous team as we're in conversation with Mark Lawrence talking SEC football. So here's another team that's loaded with talent right now, and this this is the guy that was born to be the, the Florida Gators coach. I mean, he's basically Urban Meyer without the baggage. 
I mean, he was there. He was the, Dan Mullen, guys, was the offensive coordinator with Tim Tebow and the, the heyday with Urban Meyer and the Florida Gators. And he had other job opportunities besides Mississippi State over the years. But, uh, you know, he always had his eye on this. And, you know, behind the scenes, never really hit it. It was just sort of when the timing is right, we'll know. And, you know, he'll end up at Florida one day. The timing is right uh, right now. And it's Florida. So they've got a, they've got a ton of freaking talent uh, here, Mark. What, what about the Gators this year? I think this is a real sneaker, uh, sneaky team here, and I think they could end up chasing Georgia for the uh, in the East Division here this year. I really like the hire of Dan Mullen. I didn't like it initially, but more, the more and more I looked into it, I can understand exactly what the thinking was behind it. Uh, you know, he's an alum, and he had great success at Mississippi State. He took that program to levels that they had never seen before. And he's inheriting a team that uh, is really, really experienced. Not only 19 starters back, but if you take a look, you go inside at at those numbers there, over 50% of the starts made last year were by underclassmen by the Florida Gators. So they're young, experienced, athletic. All five starters back on the offensive line, 10 starters on offense here. A little bit of a quarterback issue going on here right now. I thought. Yeah, I thought for sure Franks was going to be the guy, but Kyle Trask has really closed the door uh, from spring camp to summer camp here, so they still haven't announced yet who it's going to be. But bottom line is there's a lot of talent. I love the coach, uh, and I love the fact that they're a mission team this year, a team that was always a winning team that tasted that first losing season. That big chip is on their shoulder this year. A lot of revenge games for Florida here, and I think they'll get the majority of them. All right, let's talk about the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, a team that a lot of people are just sort of assuming that they're going to be right uh, back there uh, in the mix. They have a lot of talent uh, to replace uh, as well. Uh, what, what do you make of this, uh, this Georgia Bulldog team? Are they being slightly overrated uh, by, the, uh, by the mainstream media a bit? I think they have to be a little bit uh, full of themselves after what they did last year, not only winning the SEC championship but going to the, uh, uh, the BCS championship game. So, you know, they're feeling awfully good about themselves. That inflates this number, 10.5 wins. I mean, you, if you're going to play this team over the total, they can only make one mistake. They're I would go be, under. I would go yeah, under. I would, too. I they would lose too, Roquan sure. Smith. That's the best player in, in, in the SEC last year is gone. Uh, you know, 14 starters, 16 players from the two deep uh, are gone. Now they also they've got the target on their back, right? And, you know, it's, it, we see this all the time in the SEC. There's always one team that sort of steps up, is great, and then they get – they get pushed back down to earth a bit because everybody's on them the next year. Yeah, you know that along with that target, yeah, just the fact of uh, of everybody uh, making them their focal game is the fact that uh, they knocked a lot of these opponents off last year. So they're gonna have to go into those revenge aspects each and every week. So and you're doing it in the Southeast Conference. We're not talking about a football program that's coming out of the Conference USA or a weaker a uh, weaker Power Five conference. We're talking about a team in the SEC that has this target on their back. I think under 10.5 wins, I like that as one of the better season win totals this year. I agree. I'm looking at this. I think they can get caught out of the gate, actually. I think they could potentially get caught against South Carolina in week two. That's at South Carolina. And uh, Missouri, whatever, man. You, you want to play Missouri, you better hang like 55 on them because Missouri is going to score, <laughs> Mark. <laughs> Yeah, Missouri is going to score. We'll talk about them in just a bit, but uh, you know that's going to be, that's not going to be a defensive game, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I like the over. It's a preseason pick uh, for me here. Give, give me the over, Missouri and Georgia on September the twenty second. All right, uh, so Cam Stewart's going to join us uh, in a minute. Uh, we'll continue uh, talking these uh, these SEC 
SEC teams. And I'll tell you what, college football season is around the corner. The fact it kicks off next uh, Saturday and we'll be in Las Vegas uh, for the IFBC. It's not the most glamorous slate of football uh, next uh, Saturday, Mark, but it's college football nevertheless. Yeah, it's 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 opening week. Uh, you know, not a big week. The week thereafter is going to be the monster card, the first official opening week, and uh, we're putting our playbook newsletter together now for that week as we're speaking. Yeah, good stuff. I can't wait. And yeah, that first week we talked about it. You got Auburn and uh, and Washington. Of course, the game that uh, stands out to me is uh, Michigan and Notre Dame, which is going to be a massive one, both for Brian Kelly and uh, and for Harbaugh, two coaches uh, that the media loves to hate. Yeah, that's a huge game for again for both of those football teams. Auburn, like I mentioned, Auburn, Washington, the Notre Dame, Michigan football games. You couldn't ask for a pair of better opening week games than those two. All right. Um, so I thought we were going to a break uh, here, but um, are we going to a break here, guys, or should we continue talking about Kentucky? Well, let's just. Uh, what are we doing here? Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fancy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Game time decisions. Red Heat and Rage Radio continues. I'm Gabriel Morenzi. It's nice of Cam Stewart to finally join us here today. Hey, hey buddy. Nice to, nice to see you. I got here pretty quick, actually, as quick as I could. Wow. We were flying. You're right. Traffic's tough in this town. Why do it's you, a grind. Why do you bring the headset uh, with you anyways? Well, I was testing some stuff with George uh, with the board that I had because I got the, the I got oh, the. How many times are you going to test it? Like it's, sometimes it's it works, sometimes no. This time he put no, he put in the radio program into the Mac, but I don't have the Mac here right now because it needs some more installation of programs, and then uh, we'll be ready to fly. <laughs> All right, let's just say, uh, Mark, it's a good thing Cam's not on the playbook uh, team trying to uh, publish, uh, get it out on a weekly basis. It would be late. <laughs> Yeah, we'd have to post a few announcements that they uh, <laughs> yeah. a little bit delayed. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, let's talk about another football team that, uh, you know what, I'm kind of high on, and I have been high on them in the last uh, couple of years, 
They take care of business against losing teams, which is, you know, you have to do that. You know, to me, and it doesn't matter what sport you're in, whether it's the NBA, the NHL, football, or whatever. I remember the great Expos team in 94 that got screwed over, Mark. They basically, you know, they were like uh, 500 against winning teams, and they literally won like 90% of the time against everybody else. And if you do that in football, it's like they say, you win your home games, you win half your road games, you're going to be fine. So Kentucky have proven over the last couple of years under Stoops, they can beat bad teams, and now they're doing it. And that's how you get the bowl games. That's how you win football games. So they posted consecutive seven-win seasons uh, right now, four and four in the SEC right there. This is an opportunity for them to become a real team and take that next step. Can they win eight games? Can they go five and three in the SEC? I think they can. I think they're. I think they're a dangerous uh, team. I think this is a, a rising program right now. As you talk about, they got that nice new field. Kentucky's a basketball school, but there's enthusiasm around the football program. They don't suck anymore, so the kids like going to the games. I'm high on this Kentucky team. I'm with you. I think this is a football team you have to keep an eye on this season here. Mark Stoops has done a terrific job recruiting, and that's the reason they become competitive here once again. He has uh, the recruits believing that this is a real legitimate SEC football program here. One of the things I like about the team here this year, aside from 18 starters back 10 on defense, that's huge, uh, is the fact that there are no back-to-back road games for Kentucky. So that hurdle, that you know, that ugly puddle that they have to jump into is not there. So they can manage the schedule, it, you know, albeit some salty road games, but nonetheless, nobody back-to-back for Kentucky this football season here. I think that the, they can not only go go to a bowl game, this is maybe at least their third successive seven-win season here, but I think they're, they're going to be a sneaky, surprisingly good team here and get over that season win total. And, Mark, we talk about uh, LSU, and uh, what about uh, schools like, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama? They put a lot of players in the NFL, but what about the LSU Tigers? Six guys going to the NFL right now, losing tons of seniors this year. Ed's in for a pretty tough job with this LSU Tiger team. Tough conference, tough team, and people kind of losing their patience with the Tigers. We know about their defense, but what do you think about this team? It looks like uh, this could be bad news for the LSU Tigers. Yeah, he's sitting on a hot seat right now in LSU, and we're going to find out whether or not he can coach this football season or not. As you mentioned, Cam, with all those losses that he has, uh, I think this cheerleader in Ed Ogeron is going to end up being on the uh, unemployment line at the end of the football season here, unless Joe Burrow can back you know, rally him out here, this quarterback transfer from Ohio State. Uh, yeah, I just don't like the, the schedule, and I don't like the fact that they uh, ranked dead last in fourth down conversion percentage two years ago. They just aren't doing the things that they need to do to win games, especially in the tough SEC. And you look at Ogeron in his career as a head coach against winning teams in the SEC. He's 5-20. and 20. You can't be 5-20 and 20 and expect to excel in this conference here. I think, that, like I say, the hot seat is really hot for Ed Ogeron this season. Yeah, maybe they shouldn't have fired less miles. <laughs> Ed seems like a nice guy, but uh, yeah. The thing is, you look at you look at uh, as you mentioned, Mark. I mean, obviously he's one of the better recruiters. He's very very likable. He's got that big personality, etc. But that doesn't win football games. And you look at you look at the competitors that he's dealing with here. Dan Mullins, a you know the guy's a mini genius. You know, you're dealing with a Dan Mullen. You're dealing with Nick Saban, who's arguably the best college coach in the history of the sport. Uh, you're dealing with Gus Malzahn, a creative offensive mind, etc. It's not enough to have a cool accent and crack a couple of jokes about eating chicken at a gas station. That's all cool. It might get you a couple of players, but 
it's not going to win you games against winning teams. And it's amazing to me that LSU, a program that should be on the same, you know, the same level as an Alabama. It should be, you know, Auburn shouldn't be ahead of, of an LSU. Like LSU should be a powerhouse. And, you know, they, this coach that they have right now is not going to change this. I mean, it's just it's it's not going to happen. As you stated, it's only going to get worse before it gets better here. I'm just glad I'm not a, an LSU beat writer because you have to sit there in the postgame conferences and listen to Ed Ogeron, who sounds like a Mongolian mumbler when he talks. Try and figure out what he's saying here. Uh, maybe, maybe you have to be from down there to, to get it, but I don't. Uh, I just scratch my head whenever I hear this guy talk, and it also doesn't allude to a lot of confidence as far as the intelligence level goes. It's going to be a lot. By you speak. It's going to be a lot of excuses after. <laughs> well, that that, uh, that other team was pretty good. There, you know, they, they got to us. Uh, Mississippi. So here's an interesting team, actually. Um, you know, sort of scandal written. Hugh Freeze run out of town. Tell what 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 can you tell us about Matt Luke running the program now, uh, uh, Mark? Well, he's born and bred. He's got that uh, that rebel blood running through his veins here. That's the reason he was hired here. They love him. They love the fact that uh, he's Mississippi uh, through and through. I just don't know whether or not that ends up uh, winning football games for you in the end. We're going to find out. You know, he's got 15 starters back. The biggest news, obviously, aside from the Hugh Free scandal, is the fact that Shea Patterson transferred out to go up to Michigan. That's a big, big loss for this football team. Uh, but he did recruit well. I mean, that's what he does. He's he, he's a charmer. Uh, top 25 recruiting class, over 38% of the starts last year by underclassmen. That's all good news for Mississippi. So we'll find out whether or not Matt Luke can coach this football team up this year. Uh, speaking about the rivals in the Egg Bowl, Mississippi State, Gabe and I have been down there before. Lots of fun with the cowbells, but no Dan Mullen there, Mark. That's going to be different. Joe Moore had that era begins. But when you look at this team, we like Nick Fitzgerald, and, man, they got some really smooth receivers as well. Mississippi State, despite the great coach, they have some nice offensive weapons. Uh, this is a football team that a lot of people are high on this year, and I can understand why, because Dan Mullen left a pretty well-stocked cupboard, if you will. Uh, 17 starters back, 9 on offense, Nick Fitzgerald. Uh, he can hit you both ways, on the ground and in the air. He might end up being... Uh, arguably the most valuable player in the Southeast Conference this year. He's going to fit Joe Moorhead's playbook to a T here this football season. But the big news for him is he's got the two best wide receiver tandem in the conference, A.J. Brown and D.K. uh, DK Metcalf, uh, who are going to end up putting up a lot of points on the scoreboard here. I think this is going to be a well-lit scoreboard when Mississippi State plays this year. A lot of offense. Maybe the defense might lack a little bit here. But the bottom line here is they're going to put up a lot of points, and I think they'll be a big over football team. Yeah, Moorhead's had success everywhere. You know, I was sort of thinking, all right, it's going to be hard to move on without a coach as good as as Dan Mullen is, but he built such a solid foundation there. Um, you know, kids used to just sort of bolt and wouldn't play there. They'd go to, if they were going to stay in state, they'd play for Mississippi. But they do, they're doing a good job of recruiting in state. As Cam mentioned, Fitzgerald's a stud at quarterback. There's a lot to like about this team. The win total is 8.5. Wouldn't surprise me uh, if they did uh, get to 9. So uh, let's get to Missouri, as we were talking about earlier. Um, Coach Odom has, uh, man, they work the, they work the scoreboard uh, here. Uh, they have their quarterback back in Drew Locke right now. Defensively, you know, they've got problems, obviously. Uh, but it's, you know, it's always tough to beat you if you can put points up like they can. And 
we've seen they got hot down the stretch. They this if, you know, it's always about building into next year, isn't it, Mark? And this team broke last year coming into this season with a lot of a uh, lot of positivity and high expectations. Um but as you know, we were talking about Kentucky, they gotta beat teams with winning records as well. But um yeah, dangerous team. I like this Missouri team and I think they can get to seven wins. Well, they closed out dramatically last year. Six straight wins. He averaged over 50 points in those victories. And, you know, they they alone account for the majority of overs in their football games, just the points that they put up. The defense is a little soft, uh, you know, but the bottom line here is Drew Locke is arguably going to be, some people think, the first pick in the National Football League draft this year. Uh, if he is, it will be because he continued to put these numbers up, these dramatic numbers at Missouri so, again, another over-type football team when they play their football games. And the point you hit on here is a little bit of a concern to me, the fact that uh, they went 7-0 and last year against teams that had losing records, but 0-6 against teams that were bowl teams. So they've got to prove that they can go toe-to-toe with the big guys in the SEC. And if they can do just that, I think they'll please you, Gabe, betting this football team over their win total. A team we really like, Mark. we got to like the South Carolina Gamecocks, a nine-win team last year, and now they return a lot of players. Gabe mentioned it. Georgia better watch out for these guys. The Gamecocks, we knew they back in the past they had a great program. They're rebuilding it again. This team looks very, very dangerous. Mark, what do you think? I agree with you, Cam. I think this is a football team that uh, them and Florida, I think, are going to nip on the heels of Georgia in the East Division here the, this season here. Uh, he's got a ton of great offense coming back here, 100% of their passing yards, almost the same for the rushing and receiving yards as well. And he's got a wide receiver in Debo Samuels that uh, is just absolutely outstanding. Uh, his season ended three games short with a in- season-ending injury. You're going to hear a lot about him. Remember that name, Debo Samuels. He'll be putting up a lot of points, a lot of yards this football season here. I think they're fueled and ready to roll this football season here. Their roster, uh, 70% last year was made up by underclassmen. And what do they become? They become experienced the next year. Like I say, South Carolina, Florida, I think they're going to nip at Georgia this football season. Can Will Muscamp get it done? That, that's going to be a question. And, you know, one thing um, over the past couple of days, I sort of tuned out um, over the weekend from, from sports for the most part, but – you know, I was following the Maryland uh, story a bit, Mark. What a real tragedy going on over there uh, with Maryland. And I see that Will Muscamp stepped up and started talking about it. Started saying, well, you know, you can't trust all some kid. Kids are just unhappy because they're not starters. It's like, shut the hell up, coach. A kid died. Like, a kid yeah. died. And he's talking about, oh, I'm not going to believe these sources criticizing the coaches and, you know, he goes, I could go to any school and any football team and find disgruntled kids on the team because they're not starting. And when I saw that, I just realized, like, what out of, what out of a touch jackass that he is. And it just made me realize what scumbags most college coaches are. Like, even when kids die, they don't give a shit. Like, they really don't. The kid's soft, right? The kid shouldn't have, you know, the kid should have been in better shape. He wouldn't have died on my practice field. And it's not, like, accusations. The kid's dead. Somebody died. It's not like, oh, it's an accusation about, oh, the recruiting. Somebody died on the practice field. Every, like, there's like six kids on the team that said, yeah, the strength and conditioning coach is a madman nut job that degrades everybody. And here's Will Muscamp, not even like it's any of his damn business. Uh, I Like, it's amazing to me. If I was running that school in South Carolina, I know they're not going to do that because they're gutless. But if I was, I'd tell them to shut the hell up about kids that die <laughs> in other programs, Mark. I'll tell you that much. 
Well, you know, uh, what's going on at Maryland here, this is a little interesting. Uh, my take on the whole thing is that uh, you're going to see happen to Maryland what happened to the Indiana Hoosiers in college basketball when they fired Bobby Knight. And when they fired Bobby Knight, what happened there is uh, their, their demise came because the recruiting classes evaporated. Uh, all 10 players in the next two classes at Indiana all underachieved. Three years later, they went 14 and 15. Then the year after that, they went 15 and 14. You're going to see the same thing happen to Maryland. They're going to fall yeah. off the map because of this situation here. So Everyone's going to bail. All the players right. start to leave now. Maryland transfer. will become the new Rutgers in the Big Ten, yes. Hey, don't yeah. don't badmouth Rutgers. Yeah, we like Rutgers. R- Rutgers, uh, <laughs> Rutgers has been think, good to me. I think Rutgers can cover some numbers this <laughs> yes, year. Yes, that's right. Cover it's going to be my new my new my new home campus, uh, Mark. Yeah. But that, that's uh, we'll get to that. I love uh, this next one, Gabe. Tennessee Rocky flop. Yeah, we've only we've only got a couple of minutes uh, here. So yeah, Tennessee. Here's a program. It, you know, Tennessee is like that. You know, the dude that thinks you know he looks in the mirror and he yeah. sees Brad Pitt. <laughs> But everyone else looks and they see like a hobo. Uh huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Is it ho- was it hobo or homo? What was it? Which was no, it? No, no, ho- hobo. 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 Oh, hobo. Okay. Hobo. Okay. Yeah, hobo. Be politically hobo. correct. Okay. Yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Hobo, I said. Come on. Okay. Uh, my, my, they have a false sense of. Um, yeah, it's you true. Know, they, Tennessee thinks they're big time, but they're not. Yeah, whatever. You guys, yeah, you were Start you're okay, but. So you got Tennessee, Texas A&M, another program that thinks highly of themselves, and they really aren't that good. And then you got Vanderbilt that uh, really doesn't care. Smart but school. They're breeding doctors there. <laughs> <laughs> well, down years for both schools, Tennessee and Vanderbilt, are, uh, they're going to probably challenge to be uh, the last-place teams in their conference here. Uh, I mean, and Jeremy Pruitt's never been a head coach anywhere, so I think it's going to be a long rebuilding time for him. And Vanderbilt, we know all about them, a brain chain school who can't recruit. That's not a real good recipe for success. Good quarterback and Kyle Shermer here, but I think, again, these two teams will be down and watching bowl games with us at the end of the season. I, I don't like either of these teams either. A lot of it, it's, it, Tennessee has no excuses, though. Like You know what I mean, Mark? Like they, Gabe's talking about these guys have been in the SEC for a long time. Like, why don't they get any better? Like, you know, Butch Jones came in. They're like, what, what the hell's going on with that Pitt program? Coaching hires. Yeah, they also, but they put a lot of pe- good players in the NFL. Kamara, you know, they, they, they can do that. They just can't get their whole act together as a team. Yeah, it shows, though, that there's just sort of talent in yeah. the neighborhood. Right. They fall ass backwards into, into it. that they can't win with. Yep. Makes, Coaching. Makes them look even worse. Exactly. Get Mark Lawrence's playbook. Playbook.com. You can get it on your mobile device as well. Playbook, the magazine, available at Newstand near you. It's always a pleasure. We'll see you next week in Vegas, Mark. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Gabe, I'll, I'll catch up with you in Vegas. Be all be safe. Game Time Decisions, Red Heat and Rage Radio continues. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Game Time Decisions. All right, Game Time Decisions, Red Heat Rage Radio. 
I'm Gabriel Moretzi alongside the raging redhead Cam Stewart, who uh, got lost along the way, had to uh, turn back, brought the wrong headset. Wow. That's not a good feeling, the sinking feeling, when man. you look and go, wow, man. It doesn't have the mic. Just for the record, now you know there's no way you could be a roadie for homicide. No. You'd bring, like, Fa the wrong Failed the test? Hey, Gabe, here's your app. <laughs> it's a box. <laughs> hey, Gabe, I got your guitar stringed up. Yeah, it'd be a problem. <laughs> Snap. Just can't have all the guitars tuned up. Uh. <laughs> Just imagine, like, it actually happened to us. Uh, it happened in our last show. Well, you had a guy to him? And no, it happened to in our him. last show. Like, uh, you can't make this up. <laughs> and our guitarist, who's like three songs in, and thank God it wasn't me. Because uh, it was a borrowed amp, but about three songs in, man, like the amp just like exploded. Yeah, like it wasn't a fire. No, but you like, saw smoke coming it was through. Like, <laughs> like I could sort of hear like it cutting in and out. And like he thought it was a cable and he's sort of looking around and stuff. Except like, you know, we're not Metallica. So yeah. it's not like, wow, just, you know. I'll like, just replant this like, one in. Well, basically, like if that happens to Metallica. Oh, they got it extra. takes like 15 to 30 seconds. It's sort of like a NASCAR pit crew. Good call. Like there's a yeah. pro dude that makes about $150,000 a year, man. He's fast. And he freaking sprints yeah. out onto the stage. And it's like, it's seamless. Next thing you know, it's like that amp's gone. They're, you know what I mean? There's a new, there's like a system. You guys are do-it-yourself. Like can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, he's sort of, he's looking. I sort of give him a dirty look. Like yeah, what the hell's going on, man? Like, come on. Like, you know, is your cable messed up? And then I just sort of think, I'm like, man, I bet you it's the amp. And I just sort of look, and I just sort of see, like, just sort of see, like, weird flashing lights. And I'm like, man, the amp. And we play, like, half a song. It sucked, too, because it was all, like, it was, like, weird noise and stuff. And finally, I just stopped. We stopped. And there's no choice. We're like, all right, the amp blew, everybody. And uh, poor guy, like, in the crowd, that's my amp. <laughs> Like the guy he band. It, to you. it was like the guy in the band before us. That's the best. Oh, yeah. It's like, That's my amp. The thing is, though, we did this in Halifax before. Like, I remember years ago, we were on Borrowed Gear on tour, and our bassist, like, pulled an entire, like, rack of amps down collapsing and, um, and, uh, and broke it. So uh, we're two for two, uh, breaking amps. You're right. Halifax. Borrowing stuff sucks. Like I was, uh, I let yeah. my, I let my buddy's car, and it looked like it got keyed. Like somebody like, like put the door right into it. Who's got to pay for the damage? I'm the idiot for borrowing it, right? Because it's not there. You give it to me. I didn't. I didn't actually hit anybody or anything. But boom, some guy put his door right into it. Dent. Got to pay. Let's bring in uh, Lou right now. Lou. Lou. Gamblue.com. Welcome to the show, Lou. Always a pleasure. Always my pleasure, Gabe and Cam. Uh, great speaking with you guys this week. Uh, you know what? Uh, there's, so there's no MMA this week, uh, Lou. This is sort of the calm before the storm. We'll be in Vegas next week together, actually. And I uh, look forward to seeing you and having a drink uh, with you. And uh, there'll be some fights, actually, from, from your old stomping grounds in Nebraska next week. That's correct. Uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. And, you know, uh, Lincoln is not an, it, it, the most easy place to get to most likely you know some of these people will be flying in if you got you know like brazilians or anybody you know uh that that's coming from you know 
out of state, out of the country, Figueredo, uh, Worley Alves, Uri Alcantara. Uh, these Brazilians got to have a hell of a flight. They got to get to Omaha. They get in a car, then they uh, drive an hour down to Lincoln. So uh, travel will be an issue. It's the longest, Sounds like bands, Gabe. They need roadies there. It's like the longest, <laughs> longest hour of their lives. Exactly. <laughs> like, what the yeah, hell? Let's get the Lincoln. Yeah. Um, actually, you know what? The Turn the Page song. Is about the, is that where it yeah, was? Yeah, Bob Seger. Metallica did the cover yep. of it. East of uh, Omaha. East of oh, Omaha. East of Omaha. Yeah. That's right. That yeah, is yeah. good call. Yeah, East of Omaha. And I uh, see that uh, Conor McGregor tickets went on sale today for the Habib uh, fight. That's in Vegas, October the 6th. Uh, the cheapest ticket to get in, $205. Oh, my God. To sit in the last row of the T-Mobile in, in Vegas. In the nosebleeds? Yeah, oh, 200 bucks, And the most expensive ticket's uh, $2,500. 2500 Yeah. Wow, these guys really know to make the money for the company. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. a big, yeah. It's They're, a big fight. It's a big fight. They used to actually try to charge more. Like they used people to, called yeah, about they, You know, the UFC, I think they got up to about... Three, four grand? Yeah, I think they tried to flirt with the 4K yeah, for, like, cage like, side. And it was slow like, down, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think they, they learned their lesson with the Floyd fight with yeah. Connor. Good call. When they only sold, like, 14,000 yeah. tickets. That's right? a good point. If your price point's too high, even rich <laughs> yeah. people are, you know. Like it's going to, like, max out. It'll be interesting, Lou. Like, 200 bucks minimum, and we should know, too, guys. Those seats are going to sell out right away. Oh, for sure. the two hundred dollars. There's yeah. not a lot of the two hundred dollar yeah. ones. Like they'll be. That's like the last two rows type thing. Like they don't. They're so greedy. Like everything else, you'll pay like four hundred and sixty bucks to be in the rafters essentially. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Like it'll be an automatic sellout actually, Lou. And I don't think they care because it's all pay per view anyways. Like they could have three thousand people yep. there and they'll still make like thirty eight million dollars. So, but. Um, where are you leaning with this fight right now, Lou? I'm not going to – no no pick or anything like that. But, you know, as an underdog better, what, what do you make of Connor being such the underdog? Uh, well, you know, that's a, that's a great question. You know, uh, let me tell you what I did. As soon as the fight was announced, the line was uh, Connor minus – excuse me. The line was Khabib minus 165. Uh, I immediately took it, and I immediately took it with Khabib very aggressively. Wow. And I took it because my belief at the time, and I wrote uh, a couple of different guys that I communicate back and forth with via Twitter on the direct message. Uh, My feeling was that I wanted to get the bird in the hand, that my belief was that about now or in the next week or so, uh, the the Khabib uh, money would take that line up to close to 200. Now, it did get up to 185 since I made the position, and it's now slowly sifting back down. So I could have been incorrect a little bit with how high I thought the line would go. Um, but I wanted the 165 as a bird in my hand, and I also know that as we get to the week of the fight and the Irish droves arrive into town, it could well be that this line gets down to Khabib only minus 125 or 130. Um, If that happens, I will reinvest again in Khabib. And, uh, but I, but I just, I I just didn't want to lose the 165 for fear that the fight would go off at 185 or 200. I believe Khabib should be uh, a 175 to 195 favorite in the fight. 
See, I was shocked. You know that, Marenzi, with the Irish guys. When I was working at the bar, there was a horse race, this Irish race, and all the Irish guys got drunk, pounded it. They didn't have any money. Like, they took all the bar's money, and they had to send them up to Woodbine to collect because they cleaned them out. They love to bet and gamble, buddy. Uh, They're going to bet bet with their hearts for sure. They sure will. I was surprised, too, Lou. I was talking with Joey Odessa about this, and... You know, they're, when, you know, they put up the, the fictitious lines for the hypothetical matchups, and it was in a 160 range, like you said. It was 160, 165, and then when it became real, it sort of spiked to around 190, or it led up to 190, and I thought the opposite sort of. I was like, you know, I tweeted out when this fight was announced, I said, if you like Conor McGregor, you got to take it right now, because i got to believe the number is going to come down. Now, it has, but not that much, as you stated, Lou. I mean... You know, there'll be late money, I guess, on Connor. I think people are sort of a wait and see. They want to see how serious Connor is about this. I think he's deadly serious about it. I, I got to believe that there's no way Habib goes off, man, at 175, 180. I just can't believe this. And this comes from someone that usually bets against Connor uh, as well. But it looks like, you know, the, the early money. And Odessa told me that it was even reinforced, Lou. That, you know, when it was officially announced, people slammed Habib again. So it seems like he is going to be the favorite here with the with the, with the Sharp guys, at least. Yeah, the, the, the early money is clearly indicative of the people that are shopping and, and want to get value on the favorite, which is uh, Habib. Uh, the Connor people are... But it's like are, betting are on Floyd. Away. It's like betting on a Floyd Mayweather fight, though. You always get the most value the night of the fight because people are going to bet against him. Exactly. Looking for big know. dog money. Yeah, they, you know, they know I don't like this guy, etc. And Connor's just so freaking popular. Like, once the hype machine kicks in, you got to believe the, the public. Oh, look at Connor. He looks great. They're, they're going to start to buy in. So I'm going to stand by this. If you like Connor McGregor, I, I'll, you know, I believe that you're going to get worse odds yeah. the longer you wait in this fight. That's my own personal yeah, I opinion. To- yeah, I totally agree with that. If you like Connor, take some take some of that plus one forty or one fifty, wherever Connor's side is. Take some of that now. If you're unsure, take a little bit and save some for later. I feel really, I, I'm very happy with minus one sixty five. Uh, even if that's where I stay, I'm happy with it. But like I say, I bet this thing goes down to one thirty by fight time, and then I'll freaking vomit on it a little bit more. Uh, you know, this is, this is about getting, a, getting an advantageous position. And could Connor connect and uh, send Nurmagomedov into La La Land? Yes, he could. And, and this is going to be a competitive fight. Uh, but at the end of the day, this fight's going to hit the floor, and when it does, it's going to spell the end of our friend Connor McGregor, at least in this fight. You know, I hate to, it's crazy because it is such a big fight and, you know, there's going to be a ton of drama around this. There there really is. But it's so simplified, Lou, as you stated. Like, it really is. It's like, well, Conor McGregor better knock him out like he knocked Aldo out. <laughs> and he better do it fast because, as you stated, it's basically, it's like wrestling a bear. You know what I mean? Or it's like fighting with a shark underwater. You might sort of punch him once and sort of, but if you don't, if you don't finish him, he's going to come yeah, back. Yeah, but it's you. like unless you get out of the water fast, like there's sort of that. Like Connor's going to be on borrow time because, like he said, it's almost like getting, it's like a snake or something, right? I mean, he's that deadly. 
that he's going to, you eventually he's going to get you. He's coiled, ready to strike. Yeah, he's going yes. to get you down. And once once that happens, Connor's in a lot of freaking trouble. What about the cardio too, Gabe? You got to think it, he'll be, Connor's got, car- yeah, his cardio is horrible compared to his, right? No, his cardio will be fine. You think so? Yeah, yeah. He's been training for months already behind the scenes. Like, and that's Con- the key to the fight. That's the key to the fight is the cardio because the cardio means legs and the legs means distance and that means Connor has to keep that distance and move around and be on his bike and really use a jab and some straight lefts and rights to keep this guy off of him. And if they, if he can get Nurmagomedov, who's not a great striker, a little bit frustrated and rushing in, then he has his shots, and that's what they're planning for on the McGregor side. You're exactly yeah. right. Um, the thing, you know, we talked about this. Was it Michael Johnson that rocked him? It was yes. Michael Johnson that rocked him, and he, you know, he wobbled, man. Like, it was bang, and he sort of got wobbly. And I don't know Ooh. who it was. I, if I looked up the, the name of the guy, but I'm going back a ways. I, this is probably like five years ago, whatever. It was probably like Khabib's third or fourth fight in the UFC only, but he was fighting a guy from like the WWEC, uh, and same thing. Like, he got rocked a few yeah. times, and I was like, man – like you said, his hands are down a lot, Lou. Like, he's not the best defensive stand-up fighter. He almost just thinks, whatever, I'll eat a shot if I have to. and Put you in a pretzel on the ground. Yeah, I'll, I'll get through <laughs> this. But it's a dangerous way to fight against Conor McGregor, whose stand-up is just, like, a hundred times better than anybody's in the UFCs, really, to be honest. And all that boxing training isn't going to hurt him with that either. And I don't, you know, there's all this talk about like training and wrestling and takedown defense and stuff like this. I don't know if that matters. I remember when Heath Herring fought Brock Lesnar, oh, yeah. and they said they were like, "Listen, we gotta we gotta work on your takedown defense." And he said, "Guys, three months of takedown defense. I'm not going to stop him from taking me down." <laughs> like yeah. he, he basically like admitted, it's a waste of time. Almost he goes, "I'm basically going to knock him out, or I'm not. Yep. I'm not. You know, right?" So I think. I don't know. Like, Connor's going to put some groundwork in, but I think Connor realizes, too. His bread butters with the fist. Yeah. Knocking like, him out. Yeah. I've got to figure out angles yeah. that, you know, he's, he's going to look. striker. He's going to look for the angle and the weakness yeah. and all the tape of Abib, yeah. and how can I punch this guy? How yeah. can I get to him? And if he hits him hard, he might hit the deck. And I often bet against Connor, but I'm not ready to lay 175 with the Russian right now, Lou. I'm really not. Yeah. Uh, it- that's you know I, I can I can get your position and if it was 175 and I hadn't made the move where I did I'd be exercising patience and encouraging the Irish droves to hurry up and get here so I know I could lock in. Um, you know Connor uh, Connor has more power than Michael Johnson. He has better movement. He's a stronger guy. That said. And, he, and this is going to be a fight at 155, so he'll be stronger than the 145 when he fought Mendez. But if you go back to that Mendez fight and you see what Mendez did to Connor uh, early on, uh, I think you, all you got to do is look at that to feel decently comfortable yeah. about the Russian. And not only that, the Russian's camp, I mean, uh, he's going to have the opportunity to work with some real, you know, rock hold and some nice, long, striking kinds of uh, uh, opponents that are going right. to get him ready for Conor McGregor. And, and I don't care who Conor McGregor brings in to wrestle, even if he had a year, you're not going to learn how to wrestle and compete with Nurmagomedov in a year. 
And so the cat and mouse is if Nurmagomedov can get in and get the clasp. That will be the challenge in this fight, and that will be what McGregor must not allow to happen. If you remember, too, Conor McGregor was about to get taken down. He grabbed onto the fence against Mendez. He got away with it. Could have changed the fight. Who, who knows? And also, when Conor McGregor ended up on his back against Nate Diaz, it didn't last very long. So it could be big trouble for him against uh, Habib. All right, hang in here, Lou. We'll, we'll take a quick, quick break. I want to get your take on uh, a couple of NFL quarterbacks. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Game time decisions, Ready Rage Radio continues. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm Gabriel Morenzi alongside Cam Stewart. Lou from Gamblu.com, gracious enough to uh, be hanging with us for a second segment uh, here. That first one went by pretty quick. Just talking about the Connor and Habib fight October 6th in Las Vegas, Nevada. But NFL preseason has begun. And uh, the regular season is around the corner, the NFL. Although, i, I got to say, sort of like the, the Connor and Abib fight, I'm sure the UFC was a little bit disappointed with the sort of, yeah, whatever. I don't know. I think people have been waiting for it for so long. It wasn't like, yeah. oh, my <laughs> God, I'm going to Las Vegas for this. And, oh, like, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, The hype machine. Yeah, just everything's a little bit different. I mean, hell, even SEC attendance is down. Like, yeah. the, the world's just a different place right now. And the NFL used to be, Lou, and it's still it's still a behemoth, right? But the NFL used to be that league where remember it was like 365 days a year people would be clamoring to talk about the NFL. Yep. They, not anymore. No, it's not anymore. If people are like I don't watch a preseason, I don't care. Like they talk to me in September. The new league that's like that is the NBA. The NBA is the one. They their 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 playoffs go into June. The NBA draft gets a lot of hype. The NBA yep. Summer League's a smashing success on TV. Yeah, Everyone loves it in Vegas. They don't take time off. They basically. take over the entire summer. Yeah. Like, you know. Smart. There's always international. You have soccer that's stepping up. Yep. You know, the NFL, I'm curious to see what the NFL ratings are, are going to be like this year. You know, they're, they're going to have to earn it. It's not just, like, free for them anymore. They went down last year. I, yeah. I continue with uh, that yeah. trend. And it's not, it's it's not Colin Kaepernick's fault. He hasn't been in the league for a year and a half or two. So, so anyways. So um, Jalen Ramsey, though, getting a lot of hype right now, Lou, and I think it'd be fun. Let's just blast through. So Jalen Ramsey, I actually like it. He gave basically one-word answers for every quarterback in the NFL. Ooh, I like this. And, like, his, his honest opinion. So uh, we'll start off Josh Allen. He says trash. <laughs> Josh Allen hasn't played a game yet, Lou. Exactly. But he actually looked good in his preseason. He's really he calling throws. Lou. He's really calling Josh Allen out all the time. Like when the Bills drafted him, he was like, "LOL, this guy sucks. What a waste of a pick." It's like, man, if if Jalen Ramsey ever gets like secretly murdered or something, like Josh Allen, you're suspect number one, bro. <laughs> so, Lou, you know, he says, "What do What do you think of that, uh, Josh Allen being trash?" 
Yeah, I think that that's Ramsey being a world-class athlete. Let, let's make no mistake about it. The the most the most adroit, baddest baddest ass athlete that the Lord ever made is today's NFL cornerback. They're six one. They're adroit as they can be. They got no rules. They can't touch these six five deer that are receivers, and yet they cover them like blankets. This kid Ramsey. This kid Ramsey is a stalwart. Okay, he's a bad ass. And part of being a badass is making sure people know you're a badass. And all he's doing is ringing bells here. He's just ringing bells. You notice he didn't say too much about uh, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. All right, so yeah. we got he's Tom Brady. He says that doesn't suck. Doesn't suck. Aaron Rodgers doesn't suck. Yeah. Tyrod Taylor, underrated. Ooh. Marcus Mariota, good game manager. Garoppolo, I guess you could say he's good. Deshaun Watson, future MVP. Carson Wentz, future MVP. Yep. Jared Goff, average to above average. Dak Prescott, good, all right, he's okay. Kirk Cousins, good, a winner, hell of a competitor. Derek Carr, good. This is the one, you know, and he's pretty accurate. He's, yeah, he's, he's pretty, actually, uh, his rating so far is. pretty good. He's not being an asshole no. for the sake of it. He's not no. like, oh, this guy sucks and that guy sucks. No, he's and, like, and God, the, yeah, he's above yeah, average. But the guys yeah. he said good too, Marantz, you're thinking the same thing. So yeah, Cousins, good, good yeah. a winner, oh, hell of a I don't know, he might be overrating Kirk Cousins. No, Kirk Cousins showed up. He, no, he gets fired not. up. He's not. Kirk Cousins is underrated. Here's what Ramsey's doing. Underrated? He's the highest played player in the NFL now. Yeah, and he doesn't get his due, and I'm glad he finally got his due. But but let's get back to Ramsey. Oh, Ramsey's yeah. basically saying this. Hey, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, I don't want you. I'm not going to pick any fight with you. Hey, Peterman. Hey, hey, uh, uh, what's the kid? Uh, Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Hey, come, come, come throw at me. Come throw well, so at this me. Is and what, he's this, just picking a fight. This is the one. So Eli Manning. What do you say? He says, nothing without Odell Beckham Jr., Wow. Except Eli Manning won two Super Bowls when Odell Beckham Jr. was smoking weed uh, under the stands in high school, right? So Eli Manning started every damn game until that stupid jackass coach they had last year. Back to him. Yeah, yeah. Slick. Started like 212 games in a row or something. So, yeah, Eli won two Super Bowls, like, against Tom Brady long before Odell Beckham Jr. was ever a New York Giant. And I'm not Eli's biggest fan, but I think he's off on that one. Russell Wilson, he says, is good only. Only good? Yeah, he goes, I, I, now, he that's, goes, that's Wilson a problem. Wilson is good. No, Wilson's great. Now, this, what do you think of this one, Lou? Roethlisberger. He says Roethlisberger is decent at best. That's crap. Yeah, I disagree with that, but you got to look at how much success that the Jags have had traditionally against Pittsburgh, especially last year. And that's true. Roethlisberger yeah. didn't, didn't show himself to be very good last year against the Jags. Uh, he says Nick Foles, good enough to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's obvious. Yeah. Drew Brees is really good. <laughs> Andrew Luck, not good. Really? Yeah, he says Andrew Luck's not good. Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. I, I haven't heard great things about him. <laughs> <laughs> not even, that doesn't, I haven't heard great Yeah, things. and he says uh, there's actually more detail. Like he gives, these are sort of the crib notes of each guy, but he goes on about Tannehill, and he says, I've never played against them, and I've never really watched a Dolphins game before, but, you know, I don't, I don't hear that he's very good. <laughs> Philip Rivers, he says, is pretty good. Nah, Philip Rivers is more than pretty good. 
Well, that's pretty good. Well, is that better than good? Pretty good, yeah. I don't know if pretty good's better than what, good. Yeah, what is better? I would say good is better than pretty good. Pretty nah, good's kind of right. a dismissive good. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, like that's he's all right. No, that's no, no but Rivers a warrior. He man. said Dak Prescott's all right, but he said at least he. Who gave, do you think's better, Dak Prescott or I think Philip Rivers is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So he gives Rivers a pretty good. So this is the one that is stuck out to people. Matt Ryan, he says Matt Ryan's overrated. He says Matt Ryan is made by Julio Jones. And that Matt Ryan's overrated, and he, he is slightly. He, he throws on, a lot of picks. He went on to say, if you look, you look at Matt Ryan's success, that it was all Shanahan and J- Jalen Ramsey. Basically, he's just a student of the game. I'll give him yeah. credit; like he follows stuff in a yeah. sense, because he basically said, he said, "Man, I looked up." He goes, "Oh, Matt Ryan, this, Matt Ryan, that." He goes, "Yeah, he was the MVP." But he goes, uh, what did he do without Shanahan? And then he said, look at every quarterback that's ever with Shanahan does well. And he said, Matt Ryan was made by Shanahan and Julio Jones, that he's not that good. What do you think, Lou? I think that uh, those are strong opinions. I'm not the biggest quarterback assessor, but quite honestly, it's hard to argue with the kid's opinions. Um, <laughs> you know, uh uh, I do believe that Shanahan is a uh, a quarterback savant or a, a quarterback guru, if you will. And, I've, uh, you know, Matt Ryan is a purely a pocket guy. He's plenty intelligent, can read defenses, and he has had Julio. But, again, last year with no Julio, that team kind of bumbled a little bit, and Ryan didn't really have as, like as crap great a year as we would think. So yeah. uh, it's hard to argue with this kid Ramsey. And again, uh, I, I think we got to understand where it's where it's coming from. Yeah, let me just say uh, this, he, Lou. Sorry, let me just. They, they had a good up. running game with Freeman and Coleman too. So well, anyway. he said Andrew Luck's not good, and um, people have highlighted uh, this basically. And I like this. This is great. So he says that Andrew Luck is no good. Andrew Luck has thrown at Jalen Ramsey sixteen times. All right has completed 11 of them for 172 yards and one touchdown for a quarterback rating of 125. That's pretty stellar. Versus uh, Jalen Ramsey. Wow. So maybe he's a little pissed. So Ra- <laughs> yeah, I think Ramsey's showing some competitive fire. And it's so, a division hey, rival. Why, why, don't, uh, why, don't, why don't Luck and T.Y. try me again this year? And you know You're what? right. I he's baiting them. Acquiesce yeah. Him. yeah, you're right. You're, them. you're right. I'll give you that. So he's asked about Blake Bortles. Where does Blake Bortles rank? He said, Blake, do what he got to do. Yeah, meaning he's not that great, but he said, <laughs> he's our quarterback. He said, Blake's got to do what he got to do. And then he went on to say, actually, that he thinks that the coaching staff was too conservative with Blake Bortles last year in a playoff game against the Patriots, that they should have let him throw more. Yep. And that uh, Bortles can get the job done, but don't, you know, let him, let him, let him play. That's Except it's almost the, the opposite. thing I've heard from him. That's yeah, exactly right. I totally agree with that. Yeah, but it's almost the opposite, Lou. Like, really? Conversely, against they, Buffalo, they, he, he was scared of the Buffalo Bills defense in that game, if we remember watching. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bills Dude, offense every, every, un, every pass Bortles threw against the Bills was this close from getting hit. Exactly. They beat the Bills 7-3, I know, guys. I know. Like, the Bills are one play yeah, away guys, from winning that game. If they had an they offense, they would have won that game. Guys, Doug Marone. Just, just listen to that name of the head coach, Doug yeah. Marone. Yeah, Blake right, Bortles he, ain't he throwing the football Tommy, 35 times. That's not, that's not happening. He and Tom, right. He and Tommy Coughlin are prescribing how that offense is going to look. 
you're never going to see Blake Bortles standing back there slinging it 40 times. It's not how they're going to do things. I think Blake Bortles is a hell of a quarterback, and I completely agree that in that game against New England, they got butt-puckered and got conservative late when they should have been throwing, and that's the biggest problem with a lot of these head coaches in the NFL. First and ten's an automatic run. That's wrong. Second and two, they always go for the long bob. That's ass backwards. You've got to get the first down by running, and none of them do. So there, there has to be some attention paid to the calls that are coming in from the sideline. Great point, Lou. Remember the game two against Pittsburgh when Jacksonville was a seven-point pooch? Fake refer, uh, fake handoff, boom, right down the field all the way to the two-yard line. Their first five to ten plays scripted against Pittsburgh were opposite of what you thought they were going to do. They let the cat out of the bag, and remember, they were up 21 nothing in that game, too, and it helped them hold on to win. We've got some more um, quarterbacks that uh, he's got opinions on. He says Joe Flacco sucks. I, that's strong. <laughs> Joe Flacco doesn't suck. He's got one word. He just says sucks. Nah. <laughs> Joe, Joe, needs a, Joe needs a good year this year. Uh, I'll give him a pass last year because he wasn't uh, in, in, uh, in spring training, or I should say he, his preseason was pretty much gone, so he didn't get a lot of continuity with the team. Uh, but, but Flacco, this is a big year for Flacco. And I think that the fire is lit under him with the arrival of that new, uh, that new young quarterback. Yeah. Uh, the only one I really think he's totally off on is, is luck. And I think there's an agenda there, but go on, Gabe. I'll, I'll listen to the others. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. Now that's yeah. pretty much it. I don't, I don't really even know what it means about Matthew Stafford. What? He said, uh, Stafford, he's straight. He's straight. Yeah. So I, I don't know. That must yeah, it sounds like, like he's, he's okay. He's, he's okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. Sounds uh, like they went out and smoked a couple of blunts I know. once. <laughs> <laughs> it was Aaron Rodgers. Does not suck. Derek Carr. I think he's good. Deshaun Watson. He'll be a league MVP in a couple of years. Matt Stafford. He's straight. Philip Rivers. He's pretty good. Russell Wilson's good. Tom Brady does not suck. Tyrod Taylor better than he gets credit for. Marcus Mariota. Great fit for their team. Interesting that he's so kind about yeah. Mariota so much in the division, really? too. Yeah, he it. seems to like yeah, Mariota. You're right. This is all just he's a good, <laughs> good manager. He's good fit for their team. Like, he's being all nice, yeah, he likes, except to Andrew Luck. He likes Mariota. Uh, Nick Foles, good enough, but he had a good team around him. Andrew Luck, I really don't think he's that good. Ben Roethlisberger, he's decent at best. Jared Goff, average to above average. Jimmy Garoppolo, I guess you could say he's good. Joe Flacco, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's strong yeah. that's strong Flacco Flacco's that doesn't suck totally Deshaun Watson is going to be interesting this year I, I think he's going to be awesome I believe in Deshaun Watson big time I, mean, I don't know if I well, believe in Bill that's O'Brien a, that's a team that's a team in Houston that's that's re- ex- Houston jumps off the meters as far uh as my handicapping is concerned they got the easiest schedule in the NFL when you look at their opponent's over-under season wins. Uh, they were the most injured team last year by far. Last year, they were minus 22 in the sack differential, minus 12 in turnovers. There's no way there'll be that disparity again this year because those things tend to regress. And you got an easy schedule with a good explosive team. The only thing I worry about with Houston is their 32 ranked offensive line but i think watson can help that group look a lot better than it is with his movement 
And then to some degree, I have a little trepidation against Bill O'Brien, the head coach. But I think Houston's a team on the rise. You know what? He's so conservative, Bill O'Brien. He coaches not to lose games. But it's hard. Like, Deshaun Watson's just so good. Yeah, he's got to let him out of his cage. Let him out of the cage. Let him out of the cage. He's going to make plays, right? Here's the one that I don't get. What I don't get, guys, is all this jargon last year between him and and even the, the wide receiver Hopkins. Yeah, Savage is my guy. Savage is my guy. The Savage, I'm a quarterback guru. Savage is my guy. Savage stunk up the joint. They put Deshaun Watson in there, and he threw 45 points up per yeah. game. I know, it was by default. By default. So how, do you miss, how do you miss that? Now, I was that, a well, coach for many years, and it took the one year before our championship games. I, I just I couldn't find a linebacker, and here's this kid was under my nose the whole goddamn year. We put him in, and he was all world. So coaches can miss stuff sometimes, but in the NFL, and you're a quarterback guru, you can't miss a quarterback like that right under your nose in lieu of Tom Savage. That was that was yeah, scary. Tom Savage, yeah. you're right. You know what it comes down to? Stubbornness. He he rode Savage. He yeah. just wouldn't let it go, and then finally said, you know what? I, I can't win with Savage. We got to go with Watson. And Savage almost died in that game, too. Game. It was the Remember, same he thing. got rocked. It was the same thing, actually, with Dak Prescott. They yeah. fell ass backwards into Dak Prescott in Dallas. They, you know, they, they were going to take Connor Cook. They yeah. wanted to take Connor Cook. They were about to take Connor Cook. And the Raiders took him literally like 140th. I think Dak went 141. Yep. It was one pick before. They took Connor Cook. Jerry Jones all pissed off. And everyone was sort of pissed off in the room, and no one really knew. And it was like one of the scouts basically said, let's just take this Dak Prescott guy. And they were like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like a, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, we love this Dak kid. They were like, whatever. They were all pissed off that the Raiders took Connor Cook. And then, honestly, Dak Prescott was third on the depth chart. Kellen Moore was supposed That's to right. be the backup. Boise State's Kellen Moore. But um, Romo got hurt, and then Kellen Moore got hurt, and then right. Dak so, like, Dak wouldn't have played either. It's a good, great call. Right? Yeah. So, it's amazing. Like, in football, it really is. So, yeah, yeah timing and, and place and right coach, right guy believing in you. Houston Texan win total is 8.5. Competitive, competitive division this year, though. You got Tennessee's a dangerous team. Yeah. I got Tennessee at 7.5. That seems low. I got to believe that the Titans are an 8-win team, Lou. At best. At best. So, you think 7-9 and nine could be a possibility for them? You know, I look for Tennessee to be the team that regresses. Uh, I think Jacksonville's the team that's going to be hunted. Houston's going to be hunting them. And I think Indianapolis is a 7-8 win team. I really do. I like luck. I like what they're doing. Lou, like what you're doing, it's always a pleasure. We'll speak next week, and we'll see you in Vegas next week. You can follow Lou on Twitter, at Gamblu. Check out his website, gamblu.com. Thanks, Lou. Have a great week, guys. You too, Lou. Like a great pass rusher, the Roto Experts will help you sack your fantasy football competition. When you register for their exclusive Edge Fantasy Package, you get a cheat sheet generator plus a player database with sortable projections and rankings from the best in the business. And you can join the fantasy conversation in the 24-7 Slack chat channel. Visit rotoexperts.com to register for the exclusive Edge Fantasy Package and enter the promo code FNTSY and you get a 10% discount. That's the rotoexperts.com exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package promo code FNTSY.
Game Time Decisions, Red Heat and Rage Radio continues, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Don't forget, uh, you can uh, still win two tickets to the World Series, to a World Series game. Courtesy of DKMS. Just go to dailyrodo.com slash DKMS and uh, support DKMS. Good cause. Yep. It's a good cause. And... Um, you can play free daily uh, fantasy baseball as well. True. Maybe we'll do another trivia question uh, challenge for when the NFL is just around the corner. We had some fun. Yeah, well, people couldn't be any worse. So I thought it was nice to hear hear the listenership, though, and uh, open up the lines. <laughs> we had some fun. It was a good time. No, no, it was. It, it was. It, it was, was nice to, to, to hear the people. It was. Uh, yeah, no, it was. It was. It was a fun week. It was. It, it was. It was a fun week. We loved it. And honestly, like, uh, I don't know. One thing is though, football. Like, there's something about baseball. Hockey sort of has the numbers too, with the 500 goals and stuff. But what is like the numbers in football? No one really knows. Like how many touchdowns Downs you have to throw to get the, yeah, yeah, the Hall of Fame, or how much r- rushing you yards sort of do you know, need? You know what a big season is. I would but, say for defensive players, it's a little bit easier. But with if, sacks. You, if you ask somebody how many touchdowns Tom Brady's thrown in his career, nobody really knows. It's like basketball. How many points does someone scored? I don't know, seventy thousand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to keep track. It is. So it doesn't have the same cachet as baseball. Yeah, baseball purists too are really numbers driven stat. Perfection, you know, you know the way it is with baseball. You know, baseball is just such a numbers-driven yeah. sport, right? Smart you people. bat three hundred, you win twenty games. Football's different, you know. I guess, you know, like look, there used to be a three hundred-yard game was a big deal yeah. in football. Not anymore. Every stiff throws for three hundred yards now. <laughs> it's it's a throwing league every year. Like they throw, like basically every year. I can't confirm last year. Actually, I can say going into last year, I'll check all the numbers. I wish I had a team to do this stuff, but <laughs> I don't. So, <laughs> but I can tell you, oh man, like but basically, yeah, exactly, oh yeah, man, yeah, where yeah, yeah, buddy? Yeah, yeah. We'll go check um, basically, Cam, like for like seven years in a row or something like that, the NFL broke its own record by yep. running the ball less than they had the year before. Like it used to sort of be yeah. a split. You know, in oh, the old no. days, it was like 50-50. Like in the old, like old, old days or whatever. Or like in the old, old days, 70-30 oh, yeah. run. You used to run at 75 like, yeah, We're not throwing the ball. We're yeah. not throwing a ball. We're tough. So it sort of changed. But I'm saying now, I think it's up to about the 65% range. Passing versus running? Yeah. yeah so basically teams are throwing. Some teams throw basically like 70% of the time. Like it used to be that you would, you would run the ball, run the ball to set up the pass. Now it's like, no, no, man. You just pass, 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 and you'll you'll set up the run a little bit with uh, by passing so much. A lot of plays are variations of the run, quick little dinks and that's dunks and dump point. offs. That's what that's, that's, that's what brings up the percentage. Yeah, shovel passes. Oh yeah, are, everything. Are, that, the, that look, at the, look at the Patriots. Look at Tom Brady and their and their offense. No, you're right. Shovel the Rex Burkhead. Like that's a, that's like an mo of but a lot of teams. But my point is, this this no. is why quarterbacks though have inflated numbers. Yeah, team loses forty-one seventeen. Yeah, he threw for three thirty-nine. Well. You didn't win the game. You got murdered. It's like how many times, like, they'll say Ryan Fitzpatrick at the end of his career. Ryan Fitzpatrick, guy threw for over 300 yards 56 times. Yeah. Know what I'd like to look at? Red zone interceptions. Yeah, he threw because his team was losing by 17 every week because he sucks. And secondly, he threw for 300 yards. He also threw three picks in the game. Exactly. Right? So 
he's sort of like a pitcher that they never take out. It's like, man, a guy really gives a lot of innings. It's like, yeah, but he yeah. gives up six Because he runs. gave up five runs, six runs. Yeah. They didn't want to use the bullpen but on him. But he eats innings. <laughs> now, I heard the, the promo with Engel with the King talking about, who is it, Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones? Yeah, and, yeah, and Mahomes versus, and another getting a uh, veteran well, quarterback in well, the draft. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's separate. I'm talking about well, the Tampa oh, yeah, Bay oh, Buccaneers yeah. situation. Yeah, Barber. Barber and Ronald Jones. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be their quarterback. There's nothing to like about this Tampa team. No. Like, they, there really is. Like, they will be the last place team in this division. They, they will be a team that I'll be looking to pick on. Now, the thing is, they're going to be underdogs all the time, and their schedule is pretty tough, too. And, you know, Fitzpatrick's good for a backdoor cover every now and then, but their win total is six and a half. So it's a low number. Can the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get the seven? I don't think so. They could, but it's highly unlikely. When you add everything up, like what 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 are the strengths of their football team? Like their defense is average. It's okay. Mike it's Evans, but he's look who's throwing him the ball. Yeah, you've got Mike Evans and wide receiver. Wide receivers can't win in the NFL. Oh. It's not you know what I mean. It's not having a good wide receiver isn't going to get you anywhere. It sort of helps. You throw it up. Teams are able to just double cover, and you got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, as we stated, Fitzpatrick will throw for 307 yards, but he's going to throw three interceptions. He's going to turn the ball over. I don't know, Gabe. Their schedule, too. They open up, like, oh, they're at, gonna be at Saints. They're going to be 0-4. Yeah, yeah. Out of the game. That's yeah. the whole thing. Eagles. They, they would have been with Winston anyways. Yes. Yes, I agree 100%. With that schedule, playing the Saints on the road, Buc- uh, they had to play the Eagles. That's uh, the Steelers. And, and, it's a, and at Bears, that's a horrible way to start your season. And then at Falcons, like their first, it's a brutal schedule. It is, and then and then, and then you get the Brown, you get the Browns at home as your easiest game for a team that's going to be a hell of a lot better. They're not going to beat New Orleans in Week One no, at New Orleans. No, they're not. Um, they're not going to beat uh, the Philadelphia. Eagles. The Eagles are going to beat them yeah, in we'll Week Two. Them. Yep. Pittsburgh will beat them. Yep. On uh, that's Monday Night Football. Bears at home. I'll probably lean it to the Bears. At Bears. Yes, at Bears. With Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, I'll lean with the Bears too. Yep. That's a toss-up. So let, you know what? Not to be just a not to hate on Tampa here. Yarr. I'll give you one win out of the first four at Chicago. And I'm being nice here. Yeah, right? that's being very nice. I, I think am. the Bears win that game. I know, but I'm, I'm being I'm nice. <laughs> All right, so you're you're not going to beat Atlanta in Atlanta. Uh, they play Atlanta tough though for some weird reason. Yeah, they do, but they might cover, but they're not going to win. All right, let's say they can beat the Browns. Mm, tough game. I'm not going to give them that. There's no win. guarantee, but they could. <laughs> they could. But let's just say I'm going to give them the two. Okay. I'm not going to give them the game at Cincinnati. Nope. Um, Carolina's a division game. I hate to say it, Panthers at home better. I'll but Carolina. Carolina will beat them. All right. Let's say they can beat Washington. I don't think they can. Let's just I'm going to be yeah, nice you, here you're once being again. Very nice to Tampa. So I'm, I'm not really. This is three wins for them. And we're on yeah. November 11th. They're not going to beat the Giants. See, I'm nice with the Washington just because it's at home. So let's say they split that. They're still stuck at three. Yeah. Versus San Francisco. The 49ers are overhyped, but they're still yeah. going to be better in Tampa. They're not uh, beating Carolina. The Saints will beat them again. They're not going to beat the Ravens on the road. No not, way. Not in the middle of December in a cold. Or Dallas. Then they go to Dallas in a meaningless game because the Cowboys will suck. And um, they might be able to win that game. That's four. Yeah, they're they're not getting to no, seven. No, 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 no. The, you were being nice to them and they got to four. They could actually be like two and 14. 
Yeah, Dirk Cutter's a horrible coach. That's, that's what have, I was going to go. Have, they have no, they Todd, have no Todd, running game. Todd Monk Monk's a horrible offensive, offensive coordinator. coordinator. you got, got Ryan coach. Fitzpatrick. Like, it's it's a train wreck there, Gabe. And it's a bad team. They're a very bad team, and the schedule does not doing them any favors. I'm down on Tampa. And, you know, we talk about their, not getting any better. their running back situation. Peyton Sucks. Barber, Sucks. Ronald Jones, Jaquiz Rogers. Yeah. Like them at Oregon right. State. O.J. Howard is good. Yes, he is. O.J. Howard's good. Tight end out of Bama. He was good. Mike Evans is good. I think Evans is overrated, personally. I don't, I'm not a big Mike Evans guy, but he's, he's I think good. he's good. He just needs somebody throwing him the damn ball. I'll just say, me personally, I like the other receivers in his category. But I'm not saying he's not good. But I, I've never been a big Mike Evans guy. Um, Deshaun Jackson. He can stretch the field, but he's getting older. Adam Humphreys. Yeah, possession guy. You know, they don't they don't strike fear into anyone. Like I look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, look at their coaching staff, look at the players they have. Winston's not coming back. They're not a team, Gabe, that's a young team getting better. Defensively they're in quicksand. Grimes is yeah. Grimy? Yeah. Grimes, whatever, man. <laughs> Grimy. <laughs> Grimes. Your wife should rip you for sucking. <laughs> um you got Hargraves, the third. Yeah. Eh. You know, like uh, Gerald McCoy, like you know what I mean. It's not they got Jason Pierre Paul now, and they drafted uh, Tua, uh, the uh, the kid from uh, the Samoan from uh, Washington on the defensive line, who's hurt. I think he's already hurt. I'm not even sure if he's going to be healthy. It's like a, a lot of Washington Huskies, Huskies go to Tampa soft. Bay. No, they're soft. They're soft. Living the good. Yeah. John Ross was hurt. Pac-12 yeah. guys. Yeah, Pac-12. Word out of uh, hate to admit it too, but word out of uh, Arizona is not good about Josh Rosen. Not good? No. Bad. There's a kid in the Ivy League, like a third stringer out of the Ivy League that's better than he is. And the teammates are gravitating towards, <laughs> like, the Ivy League kid. They like, they like him. He shows up. One thing I guess we got to give credit to somebody's NFL jerks for is I guess they can scout a jerk. Like, they basically, that was the big Bills thing. They were like, nah, they just well, don't. They didn't he's like, not going to fit our town, they yeah, said. Yeah, they were like, we just, not blue collar we just don't think. You know, there's something off about the guy. We just, we're not comfortable. So the big thing was that basically he's rich. Yep. Entitled. He's spoiled. Yep. And he doesn't respect authority. That's not not a good combination for a rookie, Right, so they were talking about his bad body language. And I guess, like, he's, when he sucks in practice. He he mopes? Yeah. Like, he, he, you know, I guess he's kicking dirt. And he's making, like, bad faces all the time. You can't do that in the NFL. No, you got to suck it up. Yeah, and he's not talking to people as much because he's sort of in his own. Like they basically, he's, he's melting down, like in camp. Now, yeah. he didn't completely suck in the actual game that he played, which is interesting. But the practices are more important because that's more realer, right? You know. So, long story short, there's no competition here. Like, uh, it's uh, Sam Bradford's uh, job. Sam, Sam, Bradford. Sam Bradford is the the president of the quarterback. Yeah, like they were saying, well, it's going to be a a battle, and, you know, we're going to see where Rosen is. I guess it's basically like, no, 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 Rosen's nowhere near ready for this. we got to hope that Bradford doesn't get hurt. It's amazing to me watching the first uh, uh, preseason games, Gabe, how good the rookie quarterbacks have been. Like every quarterback, yeah, yeah. like Peterman came out for Buffalo was an absolute stud. Then oh, he was great. Oh, man. Peterman was fantastic. And then you, and then you throw out Allen. Allen made some good throws in that game. Like his long bomb pass was right on the money. 
Baker Mayfield made some great, great throws. Like you look at these guys who are drafted. It's been it's the NFL's different now. It's almost like these college guys. It's like boom. Yeah, they're, but, they're doing their due diligence. They seem readier than they used to be. Yeah, but you know the fact of the matter is though they're the coaches are doing a good job of protecting them. That's true. And putting that's in, part of it. Putting him in positions like yeah, positions to succeed. That's true. Josh Allen's the seventh overall pick. Yeah, the guy was playing against third and four stringers. He was. Right. Made some nice throws down the field, though. He did. He, you know, he, threw, he threw a bomb. It was a little overthrown. Yeah, it could have been there. You know, a number one wide receiver probably catches it, though. I agree. The thing with Josh Allen, they're going to got to get used to it. He's got such a cannon that it was impressive. Because on that, he threw it 60. It was, it was tape to tape, 65 yards in the air. But the thing is, he never even wound up or anything. I know. That's he just sort of flicked it, like just casually, like someone would flick like an eight-yard pass. His arm is lethal. And he just flicked it like 65 yards through the air. And um, I think it caught the receiver off guard. It did. He kind of quit on the route a little bit, and then by the time he was there, it, was, just, it was a perfect throw. He actually. sort of got yeah. spun around. It yeah. was like, I think he was like, oh, my God. I didn't, I didn't think this guy <laughs> could just get it here from... Exactly. It was like a missile. It was beautiful. It was very John Elway. It was. It's just basically like it cut it, through the sky. It got from point A to point B in like zero point three seconds type exactly. of deal. Exactly. And when you see that, you're like, "Ooh, this is why they drafted him." Yeah, his arm is right. And then you saw on the touchdown pass that he threw, it was sick. Like he he forced it in there. It was pretty dangerous. But he's got such a cannon. It was in between like two dudes. That's man. right. It was a perfect like Ray uh, Ray McLeod from Clemson. Yeah, yeah that's it was right. another yeah. one of those it was a bullet. It was another one of those. Oh man, like this. That's big time. Yeah. But it was against third and four stringers. Yes. Right. It wasn't against number one. Yeah. So like you know they're they're he's yeah, taking baby steps. Excitement, but, but there's a lot of positives. But look at this way. And I've I'm a big Bills fan, and I actually I've watched like pretty much every Bills preseason game, and. Unfortunately, my life changed yeah. on the Friday morning, so I watched the Bills on a Thursday night, and I watched the game. I, yep. you know, I get the Buffalo uh, station, yeah, me too. and they get the preseason on every year, so I'm always watching the Bills preseason. And the Bills, it's always the same crap in the preseason every year with the Bills. Well, they'll say, oh, man, yeah, I got to tell you, man, our quarterbacks are looking good. And they always have crappy quarterbacks, right? So it's always that, man, E.J. Manuel looks really good in practice. You should see he's throwing these <laughs> – and then they always have the first preseason game, and it's always a train wreck. Like, they, they can't score. If they throw interceptions, it's like, no, no, but it's just a preseason game. Don't worry about it. This year was the opposite. Everybody was sharp. Yep. Nate Peterman was precise. Bang, bang. Like, Peterman got national praise after by people saying that he was probably one of the better preseason week one quarterbacks. Like, he was sharp. Arm strength was better. Great He's decisions. very accurate, but his arm strength was a little. He's got big arms now. He's all ripped. Kind of skinnier before. You know, he's got a chip on his shoulder. Peterman was good. A.J. McCarron came in. And he looked great. He lit up the the, the backup second string guys. I like A.J. McCarron. And then Josh Allen came in and looked pretty good. So it was something positive. Like, the Bills actually, they ended up losing a the game. They, they fell did. apart. The defense wasn't great. No, but it, it was the um, the third string yeah, and fourth string exactly. defense, yeah. right? It wasn't, you know, their, their first string and their second string was very, very good. The game fell apart in the fourth quarter for them. So the Bills, you know, watching them, they were pretty competitive, actually. McDermott's a good coach. I agree. Like, McDermott is... He looks more comfortable this year, too. He's really good. And last year he was a rookie. He's really good at practices, at motivation. He's a football guy. At getting guys ready, at weeding out the week, and, like, guys that aren't part of the 
You know what I mean? Like, he was a high school wrestling champion. Yeah. So he's, he's a fighter, and he doesn't want prima donnas. He wants tough guys and just sort of – he's very good at that. What he wasn't great at was in-game decisions at times yeah. last year. Got a little bit rattled in in-game yeah. decisions, bad decisions, quick decisions. There, 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 there were a few times where he was um, – he had that deer in the headlights, yeah. like, oh, God, do I punt? Like, it was, he looked like his, yeah. like, oh, shit, I got to make this decision <laughs> in 10 <laughs> seconds. They're like, coach, coach, are we going for it? Are we punting? Like, it's, it's you're, 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 you're the, guy. the Yeah, he's almost like, all right, I'm just a defensive coordinator. What are you asking me for? Right, yeah. but it's, you know, he'll get, he'll get into that. I, I think another year under his belt, he's going to be a hell of a lot more comfortable. Now, the Bills, they have a new offensive coordinator coming over from Alabama, so he's a winner. But every damn year, the Bills have a new offensive coordinator. Man. <laughs> you got to like, you know, though, I think the Bills, Cam, I got to say this. I think they might, people are sleeping on them a little bit. Dude, they won nine games last year. Yep. The win totals uh six and a half it's, now. It's too low. Like, you're telling me I that think they're, they're, the, they're... I think they're the second best team in the division still. Like, they're yeah, they're not. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor's got... I mean, you're better, you're, better, you're better than the Jets. And I like Tyrod Taylor, but the thing is, they didn't. So if they weren't comfortable with him, they think they could be better... There's not going to be like a four or three, four game drop off. Peterman's going to be fine. Their defense is elite. Their defense is damn good. Jalen Ramsey can run his mouth all he yeah. wants. Trey White's every good as he yes, is. Yes, he is. Poyer, they got a lot of good guys yeah. there. They drafted well. And it's plus six and a half, plus 135. Give me the over on Buffalo Bill. The problem is. The problem is that Bill's schedule is brutal. You it's think tough. Tampa's schedule is tough out of the gate? Ooh, look at the Bills. Minnesota, Green Bay's, Houston's. Nothing easy. Game time decisions continues.